The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. There are those who teach grace and say, yeah, now we are in the dispensation of grace. So, because we are in the dispensation of grace, you can sin, you can do everything. God forgave you 2,000 years ago. You were forgiven yesterday. The sins you commit today are already forgiven. The sins you commit tomorrow are already forgiven. So that means you have no responsibility of any kind. Just live anyhow. Listen to me. Any faith that makes God absolutely responsible for your life is an irresponsible faith. I am going to be preaching a very, very powerful message. I believe it's timely because Christianity is under attack and we cannot sit down for Christianity to be attacked. Are you following me? So I am going to teach a very, very important message that I believe will transform our lives in the name of Jesus. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Jude chapter 1 or Jude verse 3 because Jude has only one chapter. The book of Jude verse 3. The book of Jude verse 3. Are you there? I read. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. I am starting a new series. I think it might be a three-part so that I can break it on the third Sunday and preach something different on Christmas Sunday uh, that I have titled, Contending for the Faith. Contending for the Faith. And this is part one. Contending for the Faith. And this is part one. Please understand that Christianity did not survive by mere debates and lackadaisical attitudes. Christianity was attacked. Our faith when it was given unto us, it was attacked by so many different people, so many different nations, and so many different religions. But the gospel always thrives in the midst of persecutions. So the Bible says in the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Beloved, 
when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. Now, I want you to notice something. Now, he said the common salvation, but in writing about this common salvation, he gave all diligence. You don't give all diligence to something that is common. So when he said, I give all diligence to write unto you about this common salvation, he is not literally saying that our salvation is common, if you understand what I'm saying. What he's just saying is that the salvation that we all share together, the faith that we share together, it says of the common salvation, it said it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. You should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It is important and vital for us to contend for our faith. Why? Because we are living in times where you can now differentiate between a Christian and a worldly person any longer. You can see the difference. When you are out there in town, you see believers behaving the same as unbelievers. Sometimes even in the church, in the church, we have unbelieving believers. So sometimes we are not sure whether we are believers or we are non-believers. Because sometimes when you hear what is happening in the church, when I say in the church, I'm talking about the universal church, the body of Christ. When you hear the things that are happening in the church, sometimes you wonder, did we really receive Jesus Christ in the first place? Now, I'm not here to condemn anyone, but what I'm trying to say is that there is no way you can genuinely have an encounter with Jesus and remain the same. Are you following what I'm saying? You cannot have an encounter with Jesus and remain the same. Let me give you an example. The purpose of the radiator is to radiate what? Is to radiate what? And not cold. So the moment a radiator is on and it is radiating cold, then you know that it's not having its desired influence. A radiator is supposed to influence its environment with heat. And so the same applies to us as Christians. If we are Christians, we must also radiate our environment with what is within us. Are you following me? So when the radiator is on, it radiates heat around us. So that means when a Christian goes around unbelievers or a place of darkness, we must radiate light or love. But you see, if you claim you gave your life to Jesus Christ and your lifestyle remains the same, then you did not have an encounter with him in the first place. 
if you used to cheat and lie before you gave your life to Christ, and after you've given your life to Christ, you're still cheating and lying, then that means you did not give your life to Christ in the first place. Let's look at the disciples. Let's look at the tax collectors. When a tax collector called Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus, he, he was so short, the Bible says that he climbed on a sycamore tree to see Jesus, where he was going. Then when Jesus got to where he was, Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, come down from the sycamore tree, for today I will dine in your house. And after he had an encounter with Jesus, the Bible says that Zacchaeus said to Jesus, I am going to return back to everyone that I have overtaxed. Why? Because when you have a genuine encounter with Jesus, your life cannot remain the same. So if your life is the same before you have an encounter with Jesus and your life has not changed, then that means you need to question your faith. You need to examine yourself whether you are in the faith. We have to see the impact of the gospel in the lives of believers. The gospel is radical such that it must impact our environment. We must impact our environment with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is revolutionary. It is revolutionary. Why? Because it has the ability to transform families and friends. Paul was the number one killer. He was a murderer. Yet when he had an encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was transformed from a murderer to a lifesaver. Are you following what I'm saying? Helen Keller once said that the most pathetic person in the world is someone who has eyes but have no vision. Someone who have eyes but have no vision. Who is Helen Keller? Helen Keller was an American author. She was a political activist. She was a lecturer. And she was also the first deaf blind person to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree. She was deaf blind. Yet she did not complain of her circumstances. That's why she said the most pathetic person on earth is the one who has eyes but has no vision. So if we claim that the gospel that has been given to us is a gospel of light and we are still in darkness, then it means there is something wrong somewhere. What does it mean to contend for our faith? To contend means to struggle for, to fight for, and to defend the cause of what has been given to us. The Bible says that we must earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto you. To be earnest means to be sincere and have intense convictions. To be earnest means to be sincere about something and have intense what? Convictions. 
it is sad that many Christians don't have convictions about their faith. I'll give you an example. When you go out there and someone start debating you on water baptism, are we supposed to baptize in the name of Jesus or in the name of God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? What are your convictions? What do you know about water baptism? What do you know about water baptism? Can you defend your conviction? Do you think water baptism is past or it's still relevant? So now, if you are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and someone comes to you and says, well, in the New Testament, there is nowhere the disciples baptize anyone in the name of God, the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and say they only baptize in the name of Jesus, that means your baptism is irrelevant. How are you going to defend it? So many people are in church but have no conviction or knowledge about what the church really stands for. Another example. Now if you go out there and somebody begins to debate you and say, tithing is past. You're not supposed to tithe because you're a New Testament believer. How are you going to defend your convictions? How are you going to defend your convictions? So, we are living in times where knowledge has abound, but many don't have convictions about what they believe. Now, if somebody comes to you and say, um, well, Solomon married a thousand wives. So, that means you're not supposed to have just one wife. You can have as many as you want. And you had it within you that when you were in the world, you used to chase after many women and somebody comes and gives you biblical grounds to have not one wife, to have many. If you don't have convictions, guess what? You follow the trend. The question I want to ask us is, do we really understand the gospel? Do we really understand and know the value of our faith? I remember when the lady who led me to Christ many years ago, she said to me, if there is anything you lose here on earth, you can lose everything, but don't lose your faith. Why? Because our faith is so important. Many Christians come to church on a Sunday and after Sunday, they forget absolutely what was taught. They live a completely different lifestyle. That's why the Bible says that if the son of man comes back, will he still find faith on the earth? Let's go back to Jude chapter one. From verse three, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exalt you that you earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. 
Why is he asking us to earnestly contend for the faith? The answer is in verse 4. Verse 4 says that for there are certain men, underline that word certain men, certain men and certain women. It says for certain men have crept in unawares. Crept in where? Crept into the church. Crept into the faith. Unawares. In other words, when we are not aware of ourselves, when we're sleeping and dozing, certain men crept in unaware and look at their purpose. They say, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation? Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is happening today. There are those who teach grace and say, yeah, now we are in a dispensation of grace. So, because we are in a dispensation of grace, you can sin, you can do everything. God forgave you 2,000 years ago. You were forgiven yesterday. The sins you commit today are already forgiven. The sins you commit tomorrow are already forgiven. So, that means you have no responsibility of any kind. Just live anyhow. Listen to me, any faith that makes God absolutely responsible for your life is an irresponsible faith. We can't say we're in a dispensation of grace so we can do anything we like. Remember, everything we do here on earth has consequences. Everything. Whether there is dispensation of grace or not, Everything you do has what? Consequences. If I kick my leg against, I can say we're in a dispensation of grace and I'll kick my leg against this pulpit. Yeah, it's a dispensation of grace, right? I can decide to kick my leg against it. Now, guess what? I'll do that, but what will be the consequences? My leg will be paining me. Are you, are you following my thought pattern? So we cannot say that we're in the dispensation of grace so we can just do anything and anyhow and live anyhow we want. It says, for certain men have crept into the church unaware who were of old ordained to this condemnation. They are ungodly men turning the grace of our God, turning the grace of our God into what? Into lasciviousness. What does it mean? That word lasciviousness, what does it mean? Lasciviousness means a person or a, a, a manner or a gesture feeling or revealing an overt and often offensive sexual desire. Very offensive sexual desire. He gave a lascivious wink. Wink. When somebody winks at you in a certain way, you know this one is from the pit of the devil. <laughs> offensive, very offensive. So that means, now they say we are in the dispensation of grace. But look, they are turning the grace of God into what? Lasciviousness 
and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Do we see it happening today? Yes. And sometimes, most of the time, these people are on major television platforms. They have the money. They are pushing the wrong gospel. Pushing the wrong agenda. <laughs> That's why we need to contend for our faith. Please hear me. The delivery of our faith really caused the apostles. Let's use Jesus as an example. Jesus died on the cross for our faith. Right or wrong? Jesus died on the cross for our faith. That's what it cost him. So salvation is not as common as we think it is. The apostles, they were persecuted and openly humiliated for preaching the gospel. How many of us throughout the week goes about preaching the gospel? We don't. As a matter of fact, some of us hide our Bibles in our bags when we are coming to church. Many of us, our next door neighbors don't know that we are Christians. <laughs> we are shy to tell them we are Christians because our behavior out there doesn't speak of the gospel. <laughs> the apostles, they were beaten for preaching the gospel. They were put into prison prison for preaching the gospel, for defending the faith. Their intestines were taken out for defending the faith. Some of them were boiled with hot oil. John, John, the gospel of love. John, the preacher of the gospel of love. He was boiled in oil but he didn't die. Some of them were crucified upside down. Some of them were beheaded just for saying that Jesus is not God. Jesus is not from God. Jesus is a liar. Jesus is a lunatic. Jesus is not the, who he say he is. But they said we will not bow. We will not lie. We will not, we will not give up. We will defend our faith. There was a pastor who did a survey sometime. He made an arrangement with a certain man to come into the church whilst he's preaching with a fake gun. And then during the preaching, the pastor was preaching, everybody was, we love Jesus, we'll die for Jesus. And so and then the man comes in with a gun. And then people started running and then he gathered a few people and said, deny Jesus and I'll let you go. And said, who is Jesus? We don't know Jesus. <laughs> Please let us go. Yeah. Are, you, are you following what I'm saying? We are laughing, but these are serious stuff. Many people were willing to go to prison for their faith. Will you be willing to go to prison for your faith? Some of us at our workplaces, we stop talking about Jesus. Why? Because we say we will be sacked. 
we value our daily bread more than what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's time for us to contend for our faith. We cannot allow our faith to be marginalized, especially for you, the young ones who are coming. We have to defend our faith. There are young ones of your age who are not ashamed of what they believe in. They believe in other things. They believe in a pub. They believe in nightclubs. They believe in drinking. They openly confess it. They believe in all kinds of things. And when it comes to you to defend your faith, you have no basics. You have no foundation. You don't read your Bible. You don't study your Bible. How would you know how to defend your faith? There are many pastors who debate on issues when I hear what they are debating on. Sometimes I wonder which part of the Bible are they reading? The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is, for it is, not it will be, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Why? Verse 17, it says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I am not ashamed of the gospel. When somebody asks me, what do you do? I tell them confidently, I'm a pastor. Why? Because I am not ashamed of the gospel. When somebody asks me, what do you believe in? I believe in Jesus Christ because he's the only way to the Father. Why? Because I am not ashamed of the gospel. Yes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father. To contend for the faith, we must understand these key things. Number one, we must know the price Jesus paid to give us our faith or the gospel. Number one, we must know the price Jesus paid to give us our faith or the gospel. Number two, we must value the lives of the apostles before us who sacrificed their lives for the faith and for the gospel. Number three, we must not be ashamed of our faith or the gospel. Number four, we must know that the gospel or our faith is the power of God unto salvation. It's time to contend for our faith. Esther was willing to die for her faith. The Bible says in the book of Esther, chapter four, verse 16, Esther said, I'm going to go before the king, which is not permitted. But if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. She was ready to die for her faith. Question, are you ready to die for your faith? Are you ready to die for your faith? Are you ready to die for your faith? 
Esther say, I'm going to go to the king, which is not according to the law, but if I perish, I perish. In other words, I am ready to die for what I believe in. It's time for us to contend for our faith. Now, we cannot contend for our faith if we are lackadaisical. If we choose and pick which service to come to, you don't understand the value of the gospel. And listen, everything you devalue, everything you devalue will not appreciate in your life. If we don't value what it costs Jesus to give us this gospel, if we don't value what it costs the apostles to give us this gospel, we'll devalue it. We'll devalue it. It was stated that in 2030, in 2030, Islam will be the largest religion in Europe in 2030. That means in a few years' time in 2030 because they are growing at a wild space. Recently I saw a picture of a Muslim mosque that was full praying on a Friday full where the, the place was so full and they have to go on the street and be kneeling down and praying on the street. It was extended outside. And another side, same area was shown, a church that was built somewhere in the 18th century. Big church that could accommodate over a thousand people and there were less than 12 people in the church. What a shame. What a shame. Because we are ashamed of the gospel. Today I'm going to make an altar call after this service. I only need 12 committed people who say we are going to go out from this church to take the gospel to any part of this area. Minimum once a month. It's time for us to contend for our faith. If we don't, our children will have nothing to stand for. There are all kinds of things marginalizing Christianity. There are people who say there are certain parts of the Bible you can't read because it's against homosexuality. Listen, sin is sin. Smoking is a sin. The Bible is against it. Stealing is a sin. The Bible is against it. Homosexuality is a sin. The Bible is against it. Sin is what? Sin. There is no big sin or small sin. The fact that you smoke doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about smoking in the church. Are you following what I'm saying? The fact that you fornicate does not mean we should not talk about fornication in the church. When you come into the church, you can't dictate to me what I should preach. You didn't call me. Are you following what I'm saying? You align your life to the gospel, not the gospel aligning itself to your life. People are saying, these days I want to be gender, up to the point where they are now trying to change our passport forms, where there will be no longer male and female on there. It's male, male. Husband, husband. Wife, wife. That's, that's, that, doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Now, if you want to be husband, husband, don't change me from being husband, wife. Wife. 
Are you following me? Now, why do you want to use what you believe in to marginalize what I believe in? Are you following what I'm saying? You can't tell me I can't, I can't preach from the Bible any longer because it offends someone. You can't tell me that. This is what I believe in. This is my constitution. The Bible is what has been given to me. This is what I believe in. So when I start teaching, that's what my belief system is. And we are living in a politically correct society where we say, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Well, whether you like it or not, some people will be offended. It's not every day you come to church and I preach and you're happy. Sometimes you're offended. I know. You might be smiling and laughing, but I know you're offended at me for what I'm preaching. You don't like it. Sometimes when I'm teaching on tithing, some of you don't like it. They say, why is he talking about tithing now? You don't like it because you're not a tither. They say, he's talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm, talking, I'm teaching what the Bible says. The three Hebrew boys, they were ready to defend and contend for their faith. Daniel chapter 3 from verse 16 to 18, the Bible says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. Verse 18, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. In other words, they said to the king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. We know where we stand. I am not going to bow to your graven image. I am not going to bow to your law. There is one law that is superior to any other law in any other nation, and that is the Bible. And I stand by it. Most of the constitution the laws from the United Kingdom came out of the Bible. Came out of the Bible. Most of the laws from the U.S. came out of the Bible. And they are fighting the same Bible that made them great and strong. Great Britain is not great without the Bible. So quickly as we get ready to close. How do I contend for this precious faith? How do I contend for this precious faith? Are you ready to contend for the faith? Is what I'm teaching helping you? Is it helping you? Amen. Mark chapter 8 verse 34 to 38. Mark chapter 8 from verse 34 to 38. I read, the Bible says that, and when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Underline that. Whosoever will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Underline, take up his cross and follow me. So what Jesus is basically saying is that, 
if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be a Christian, these are the terms and the conditions. You must deny yourself. In other words, the moment, the day you raised your hands and say, I am now a new born believer. I am born again. I believe in Christ Jesus. From that day, you no longer exist. Christ now exists in you. Verse 35, they say, for whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall he profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy old angels. Now, that means we are living in an adulterous and evil generation and sinful generation. And Jesus say, is saying that we must not be ashamed of him in this adulterous and sinful generation. Parents, we must teach our children what we believe. We are Christians. We believe sin is sin and holiness is holiness. We must, we must preserve our seed. We must preserve our seed because when they go out there, the world is coming up with their own agendas. We must not allow the world to teach our children what we don't want them to know. We have the right to tell the teachers, I don't want you to teach my children this. It's, that's, that's it. That's what I want. Because what we have to understand is that age has to be controlled in terms of content. We have to control the content according to their age. Sometimes you watch movies and it's 12. They say 12. And the thing they show in the movies, you'll be shocked. <laughs> and what I don't understand is they put 12. And I always ask my wife, why do they put 12? And then yet in that movie, there are children less than the age 12. And the things they are showing, the children, they want these children to watch it. It's time to defend our faith. I said it's time to defend our faith. I said it's time to contend for our faith. It's time for us to say A is A and B is B. Black is black, white is white. We are living in a generation where they say we, people want to now be gender fluid. Gender fluid means I don't want to be identified with my gender. There are forms coming out now. These days, when you are doing anything, you are filling forms, they'll ask you, was your child born a male or a female? Does your child want to be identified by his or her sex that they were born? That's rubbish. That's rubbish. That's absolutely rubbish. There's nothing like a man wanting to convert to a woman 
And then later on, when he decides, I don't want to be a woman again, he wants to now change to become a man. That's, that's, that's the highest level of confusion. We are not against the people. We are against the practices and the principles. The Bible is against it. The Bible is against sin. Sin is sin. Finally, as we close, today is our destroying the spirit of death, of fear, and death service. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Psalm 118, verse 17, it says, I shall not die, but I shall live to declare the works of the Lord. I want to declare to you this morning that you shall not die, but you shall live to declare the glory of God. No member of your family shall die this year. You are exempted from any form of accident. Any time-sensitive death, you are exempted from it. You will not be in a plane or in a train or in a car with someone who has death assigned to their life. Even if by any other means you end up in that plane or car with them because of the protection, because of the blood of Jesus that covers you that time sensitive death will be overridden I said it will be overridden in the name of Jesus you will not find a Jonah in your boat, you will not find a Jonah in your ship you will not find a Jonah in your, in, your, in, your, in your aeroplane where you are traveling and there is a Jonah and there is death assigned to them. It shall not happen. That plane will not go through turbulence because of that person. That plane will not crash because of that person. That car will not crash because of that person. Every death assigned to you, it is nullified by the blood of Jesus. I said it is nullified by the blood of Jesus. We rebuke the spirit of death hanging over your family. There shall be no death in your family. There shall be no death in your family. There shall be no death in your family. In the mighty name of Jesus, the spirit of death is rebuked. Death will rebuke you. Death will not find your way into this church. We rebuke you because Jesus overcame you 2,000 years ago. Jesus overcame you 2,000 years ago. Jesus had the keys of life and death. Therefore, we have that key. We have the keys of life and death. We override that untimely death. We override every untimely death. We override every untimely death. In the name of Jesus. We cover you with the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that speaks better things than the blood of books. We cover you with the blood of Jesus. You will not be on the road and there will be a mixed accident. Any bloodthirsty spirit will not come near you this year. It will not come near your family this year. It will not come near your children this year. Amen. Your children are covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Your family is covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. 
This church is covered by the blood of Jesus. There shall be no death among us. No one will know the place of the death of their children. You will not know the grave side of your children. You will not know the grave side of your great grandchildren. In the name of Jesus Christ. There will be no stray bullets. There will be no stray bullets. There will be no stray bullets coming to you. There will be no mixed bullets coming to you. They are diverted by the blood of Jesus. Every negative wind against you will come against it. Every negative storm against you will come against it. In the name of Jesus. I said in the name of Jesus. Did you receive it this morning? Give Jesus some praise. Let's give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10, 8HQ. Your experience at Solution is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution, bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. 